Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So we talk about a lot of really extraordinary people on our show, um, many of whom are already dead, which is kind of sad. But today we actually get to talk about somebody who's still alive and still very much influencing society in a way that I think we really need. So Thomas Sowell has been called one of the greatest minds of the last 50 years, and his brilliance has allowed him to speak the truth, especially when it's unpopular, which, as we've talked about before, is not really an easy thing for people to do. And he also has asked a lot of questions that people are too scared to ask, and that has really helped him become a major influence both on today's thought, like modern thought, economics, and, you know, he's done a lot of what people haven't been able to do, one of which, Connor, he's catching, or like maybe you'll catch up to him. He's written over 60 books. I wow. think you're getting close. <laughs> maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> I, I like Soul. Uh, and so uh, it's kind of a weird spelling his last name. S-O-W-E-L-L. You guys probably see it in your little podcast. He's so well. So Thomas Sowell. Soul. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is a really great modern thinker. And it's fun to even just kind of watch some YouTube videos where he's yes. interviewed. He's, he's a very clear thinker. Uh, there's actually a new documentary on his life that Amazon Prime just put out. We'll put it in the show notes page. Uh, as a reminder, that's TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. And, and so you'll have that link there if you want to find it. The documentary is really a good look into his life and how this guy has been able to, to change the world. I mean, you write 60 books. Chances are you've you know changed a, a few people's uh, minds or, or even some laws along the way. And, and one of the reasons that I admire Soul so much is that of all the economists, like he's among the top for being an advocate for individualism. And yeah. the, the kids out there who've read our Tuttle Twins books, they know that there's individualism and then there's collectivism, right? And collectivism is this idea that that we should all have to do the same thing or that we should all get to decide what someone's going to do. And it's about the group rather than the person. It's kind of the collection, right? Collectivism. And then on the other hand, you've got individualism, where it's the individual who's important, that people should be free to decide you know, for, for themselves. And so Soul is really good because he's a good economist. He's really good at understanding these things, but he looks at it through that lens about, hey, look, the individual is what matters here. When the individual goes to the store, or the individual, right, is buying something on Amazon. He's thinking about what what incentivizes the individual. What what makes an individual, you know, make a certain decision? And that's how we can look at economics because really, as and we've discussed this on past shows, Brittany. Yeah. Economics is really just human action. Mm -hmm. it, it's people making decisions, just like when you buy something, but then maybe thousands of other people buy that thing. All of a sudden, you have demand right for a product but it's just a bunch of people deciding on their own and and so soul's really good with that he also has this amazing ability i think to get people to to reconsider their views and change their opinions even on a bunch of things and you know we've talked about this that being able to persuade people to even think about another argument is is a difficult task but soul as 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 a really good person who's able to get people to actually rethink their opinions, which I think is uh, pretty rare these days. It is. And I'll even admit, like, I'm pretty stuck in my ways, right? So I don't know that people could persuade me even. Uh, but one thing that I really like, honestly, about a lot of the stories that we tell about these incredible people is how they came from humble beginnings. And, you know, Sola's no different. He was born in Gastonia, North Carolina in 1930. 
And I want you to think about that. If you can do the math quickly in your head, that means he's in his 90s. So we might not have a lot of time left with him. I hope he lives to like 150. I hope he's one of those like trailblazers. But he's seen a lot. I mean, think about how much you would have seen if you were born in 1930. Well, that was the that was the start of the Great Depression. Yep. We've done an episode about that and about how uh, hard it was to deal with the economy. There were a lot of people losing their jobs and suffering. And and so here is uh, Thomas. He's uh, part of a black family, of course. They're living in the South. And, you know, his parents were not well off at all. They didn't have electricity. Uh, they didn't have like air conditioning, hot water. Uh, his dad died before he was even born. Um, and then his mom died during childbirth a few years later. So he grew up as an orphan. He lived with his great aunt and uh, and her two daughters, and and none of them were educated. He he was really kind of born in these circumstances that were basically just poverty, exactly poverty. So he never really even got to know his parents, did he? No, no, he he didn't. And and I mean, <laughs> I think that's a really rough way to enter the world. Yeah. But to his credit, you know, he did not let that stop him. He uh, he 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 felt like his entire career was a result of his upbringing. And I think that's important because each of us is going through things in our lives that is going to shape who we are. And and Thomas Sowell could have let his circumstances turn him into a victim, right? Mm -hmm. Woe is me. I need the government to help me, right? People need to do things for me because I'm suffering. And a lot of people make those decisions when they have hard circumstances. But here's Thomas Sowell instead who says, you know what, I'm, I came from this very poor upbringing. He almost, you know, uh, uh, applied himself even harder uh, yeah. to become a better person because of that upbringing. But, but because he grew up in poverty and had those circumstances, I think it really not only motivated him, but, but helped him understand economics a little bit more because, you know, the Great Depression really impacted people, <laughs> you know, like his family, his uh, the, the folks taking care of him, they, they wanted, you know, of course, him to be a little bit better off. So they ended up moving him to New York where he could access uh, better schools. He was away from the South with the segregation and the kind of uh, racial issues there. Can we and, back up uh, and talk about what segregation is? I don't know if we've discussed it a lot on this show before. Yeah, yeah. So after, you know, world, uh, the Civil War or the war between the states and then, uh, you know, slavery was officially ended. Um, there was segregation. Segregate is, is like separate. And, and so black and white people were separated from each other socially. And, and black people, even though they were no longer slaves, you know, they were very mistreated under the law. It was very unfair in the South still because white people were in charge of the government. And, you know, black people had access to lower quality schools, uh, fewer jobs, uh, you know, like the kids out there may have seen little video clips or heard stories where they couldn't even drink out of the same drinking fountain. Um, and, uh, you know, that the, the struggle, of course, is that when you grow up in that environment, it's very hard to get ahead. And so I think it was very smart of them to send little Tommy uh, away to a school. They, they didn't even have a telephone uh, when he was grown and ready to leave his home. And so uh, despite all that, Sol believes that you know, he was much, much better off under his circumstances than other black children are today, which I think is a super bold statement to make. Absolutely. But one thing I love about Sol, and we've seen this again in so many of the people we've talked about, um, is he loved education. And he had a mentor. I believe his name was Eddie. Um, that's all we know. That's all he talked about in the documentary is Eddie. But he noticed how bright he was at a very young age. And so he took him to a library. Imagine being a kid 
and not even knowing what a library was. He actually said that he walked in and he was thinking like, I don't have the money to buy these books. Why are you taking me here? Like, like you're teasing me. I can't even do anything here. And so he taught him that he could check out all these books and he could research and he could read. And it was the access to books that opened up all these doors for him that honestly he didn't even know existed. And one thing, and this helped him, and it's something he's still doing today, Solo is a really big fan of school choice. And we've talked about this a little when we talked about uh, free range parenting and homeschooling and unschooling. But school choice is a movement where parents, um, where people want parents to be in control of their children's education. So right now, you kind of have to go to the school if you go to public school that's closest to your house. You don't have like a choice to go to, to one school or another. Now, mm-hmm. charter schools are great. Private schools are great if parents can afford them. Um, homeschooling is also an option. And this is something that Thomas Sowell is really, really, really into because he's, he's seen it help him. He was actually supposed to go to a really bad junior high school. And I mean, I don't know. Well, one junior high school students terrify me. Sorry, junior high school students. <laughs> but, but the ones in a bad neighborhood, I mean, this could have changed his whole life. But because of some school choice, because he was able to go to, it wasn't a charter school, but it was a much better school and they let him transfer there. It made all the difference. And so that has made him an advocate for school choice. Well, people like him can see the real world impacts that these decisions have, you know, and the power that education has. And it's interesting to me, Brittany, you'll remember on a previous episode when we talked about Rose Wilder Lane, where she was kind of seduced, uh, you know, by socialism for a while and thought that that's where equality and fairness comes from. And and that was the the same with Seoul. Uh, You know, he fell under the the spell of Marxism, uh, you know, which is basically communism and and socialism and 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 you can see in a sense why right like i think it's fairly common for people who are in poorer circumstances to want free stuff like think of college kids today in a bunch of debt and so then you get a politician come along and saying you know vote for me and we will eliminate all of your school debt well that sounds amazing right like if you've got tens of thousands of dollars in debt and someone's promising uh, to you that they'll make it go away or if you're about to go off to college if that's something you want to do um and and you're being told that you know college will be free healthcare will be free all these things will be free well of course that's that's a very enticing message right like who doesn't want free stuff but we've talked so many times on this podcast Brittany, about kind of like the frederick bastiat mm-hmm. quote about that which is seen and that which is not seen and how a good economist uh, focuses not just on the things you can see, which is like, ooh, you know, free college, free healthcare, no college debt, whatever. Those are the things that are seen and kind of dangled in front of you by a politician who wants you to vote for them. But a good economist is also looking at the things that that aren't seen. And and so people in poor circumstances, they're being presented this idea of, hey, look, just the, these policies will help you. And of course, it's very enticing to be like, yes, you know, give me free stuff. Uh, and so you have someone like Thomas Sowell, who uh, himself was, you know, attracted to some of these ideas. Even even after he took classes from scholars in this kind of Chicago school of economics, kind of like the Austrian school, a little bit different. You know, even after he took some of these economics classes, he was still a Marxist. But it wasn't until he actually worked for the government. <laughs> that he realized how useless government was, which I think is funny because most people who go work for government end up like, you know, thinking, oh, this is great. I, I'm paid to do nothing, right? Like I can, <laughs> government is great. And 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 so he goes to work for the government and realizes how ineffective it is. And 
you know, we've we've talked to kind of uh, talked about this Austrian school, this idea of economics, this free market approach. And, uh, and and as I mentioned, there's some similarities between the Chicago school and the, the Austrian school, you know, Chicago school economists. Uh, they also believe in limited government intervention in the economy. So they don't want like a lot of regulations and they don't want socialism. And And Sol ended up uh, kind of subscribing to that idea. He became kind of this Chicago school or or limited government approach to to uh, the market and, and, and ended up moving away from Marxism to his credit. That's right. And this is actually my favorite part of the whole documentary. So Dave Rubin, who's a podcast host that I really love. In fact, I got to meet him. He's amazing. But he asked him, he got to do an interview and he said, you know, what is it that got it to change your mind? You were a Marxist. And Sol looks at the camera and just goes, facts. And he says it's so pure and simple. But, you know, Sol saw poor and economically just devastated areas. And then, like you said, that's why he was drawn to, to this idea of Marxist equality. And then he realized that the facts don't add up. You can't force equality through policy. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And you know, I really like Sol because he was a huge believer in self-reliance, just like, you know, the importance of individuals and, and taking care of yourself. He would even debate people who believed that welfare would help black people get ahead, you know, which was a, a controversial view or position for him to take. Right. Because most people believed, oh, we need welfare. The the black community, we're struggling. We need help. And so he took the opposite position that 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 government welfare was actually more harmful. He believed you know, that people could improve their circumstances through their own, you know, will, their hard work. And, and I think he was living proof of that. Something that plays into that, another thing that made him such a controversial figure, even among among Black people, was his views on affirmative action. And affirmative action is kind of a big term, but that's when the government gives out special privileges to minorities. So that could be different races or even me as a, as a female, like I get special privileges for college and stuff like that, which is really not fair. And Sol taught at Cornell, which is a really good school, and he realized that the school had been accepting black students based solely on their skin color, not on their academic merits. And this was actually hurting the students because they weren't prepared for the school. So they were failing out when they would have thrived at other schools. And so uh, Walter Williams, who's another brilliant economist who works at George Mason University, he was saying like they, they were actually putting black students in over their heads. It was harming them. So he spoke out against this, and that was, he was one of the first people to do that. Yeah, and uh, and and I think that's what's interesting about him. He he had these positions that were very contrary in many respects to to the way that most people thought and what they took for granted. And you know, he would uh, point out, you know, the, as you mentioned, you know, the facts. The facts are what matter. Uh, that you know that that we shouldn't let our kind of uh, preferences and our politics kind of uh, skew us from understanding title of the podcast, right? The way the world really works, yeah. the, the actual facts. Um, so guys, make sure you check out the show notes page. It's a good documentary to watch. Go pull them up on YouTube. Uh, lots of little clips that you can find. Definitely pick up uh, one of his books, one of the 60 maybe. <laughs> and you know what? They're actually, most of them are free and audible now as well. Oh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, check out the show notes page, tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Thanks as always, you guys, for subscribing. We're glad that you're listening. Make sure you share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, Brittany, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.